Have you ever told your child to do something and your toddler say, I don't want to? Have you ever heard, I don't want to? Yes, we've all heard it. And so there's a phrase, and we promise you in the first five minutes that you're going to have something you can use, so get out a pen. And here's what we say even now to our older kids. You don't have to want to, but you still have to do it. And it's totally fine. You can require those things. We're not going to want to do everything that's required in the day. So we don't have to always convince them to like it. And we don't always have to make them want to do it. What we want to do is to let them know there are a few things in life you just don't have to want to do. And that's okay. You can do it anyway. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Okay, I have a really funny story to tell you. I think you already know it, but I'm going to remind you of it because it was one of my big parenting fails and it has to do with daycare, which is our topic for today. So when my twins, I think were about two years old, we were getting ready for my son Grayson's birthday and he was in daycare and I had a little helper. My friend's daughter came over to help me that day. I was making dinner for the family. We had a birthday cake. Grayson was at daycare and I was supposed to pick him up at like three o'clock. Well, it's probably about 4.30 and I'm going over in my head. Do I have everything? Okay, I've got the cake. I've got lasagna. I've got the plates. Oh, I forgot Grayson. Like, I don't have the child is not here. And I'm panicked because nobody <laughs> called me. And so I'm calling up the school. I'm like, I, Grayson's still there. Like, I didn't come to get him. I'm on my way. They're like, yeah, yeah, he's here. He's here. And I get there and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And here's what they said to me. Here's what my social kid who loved the daycare so much told them. They said, hey, Grayson, your mom's not here today when I didn't come at the regular time to pick him up. And he was so confident in saying, yeah, it's my birthday. I get to stay for stay care for the aftercare. <laughs> that's what they called it. Stay uh-huh. care. He's like, yeah, it's oh, my the- birthday. I get to stay for stay care that they thought she's not here. He's so confident. We must have gotten our <laughs> lines of communication mixed up. He was so confident. They didn't even call me to check. They're like, that makes sense. And he was so happy. And he didn't know that he was forgotten <laughs> for his own birthday party. And I, of course, felt horrible, but I loved it. I loved how confident he was. Like (laughs) reassurance is his thing, even at five years old. Oh yeah, (laughs) my birthday. I'm staying for stay care. I love that. Daycare can just, it throws all of us, I think, for a loop a little bit. But now we've got everybody's kind of heading back to work and parents are trying to get their kids back into the daycare swing of things or maybe even for that very first time. And it can be a little overwhelming. And some kids love it. So for those parents who are the first time parents and you're worried, how many hours will they be okay? Will they make a friend? Will somebody be paying attention to them? And 
so many of those social kids, like they cannot wait to be around other kids. They love it, love it, love it. Even though they may put on a little show for you at the beginning and at the end, I can't make you any less fun to be around. So there's that. (laughs) But we always have a really great little tip for that, which is what we call when you drop them off at daycare or mother's morning out or the church nursery, there's a way to do it. You stop, Stop, drop, drop, and roll. Roll. Get out. Roll <laughs> on out. Don't linger. Don't linger too long because the longer you linger, it's just it, that takes that separation. Transition, I guess, is for lack of a better word, that transition of care mm-hmm. from the parent to the caregiver. And so we want to make sure that that transition is happening really, really quick. And so today's, we just really want to kind of talk all things daycare and We've been there. I've had one of my kids was in daycare three days a week, you know, and that was when we were still working in the office okay. and having to go in. And of course, <laughs> we had to drive, what, an hour and a half one way. If we were lucky, we would get there in an hour and a half. For those of you outside the oh Atlanta my. area, that is a standard Atlanta commute. Commute. It was. Especially tough. if you're going for like a regular day, like you need to oh. nine to five. I tried to go for that early shift. What time could, how, what was the earliest that I could get there? Because I needed to kind of avoid some of that traffic. But so I would drop, again, Allison, I would drop her off. But I could also remember just that heartache that kind of comes with that separation. She was fine. She was taken care of. They loved her, but they didn't always follow my routine. And so that was one of the questions I think, Jennifer, that we get a ton is what do we do with daycare when they have their own routine, their own schedule, they have to follow in order to keep their business running? Well, there's a couple of really practical things that we recommend. One of those being having the cell machine. So many of the daycares are really accepting of that cell machine. And if some of the indicators that we use at home that indicate it's time to sleep, they'll replicate a lot of those elements. So that's really helpful when they'll agree to do that. But the other thing is, one of the only schedules in the world that contains crazy days. So we have two sets of guidelines, the exacting part that you can follow when you're at home, and then the crazy day guidelines. Most daycares, again, they have their way of having to do things. But we have found that if you could say, you know what, if you could try to hit two naps, if at all possible, try to hit two naps a day, Don't let them sleep longer than about two hours if we can. And then to ensure what we call, what Moms on Call calls, is the supper feeding. So if you know that you're not going to get there prior to whatever routine your kid is on and for that supper feeding, especially if they're doing bottles, then having the daycare do that feeding. So that when you get there at 4.30, 5 o'clock, in the afternoon, you're not having to try and rush around and get a feeding in and then get dinner cooked and, or let the dogs out and that chaos of getting back home after being at work all day. So what we have found is a lot of times if daycare can focus on a couple of naps a day, hitting those as close to the nap times as possible, 
not letting them sleep longer than about two hours at one time. And then them doing that supper feed, it really does help with you picking up the routine in the evenings and then again on the weekends. And they learn the difference, right, Jennifer, between daycare and home very quickly. Oh, yeah. And even if you only do like three days a week, (laughs) then it takes about six days. So that'll be about two weeks for that kind of rhythm of that week to settle in. And if you're going five days a week, then by the end of the week, they're into that. You just need like a weekend and then back to the five day week. They'll fall into that rhythm. They are such creatures of habit and they recognize that things happen a bit differently at daycare than they do at home. And so they're so adaptable and it's a great to see that. And then there's just those elements of great communication and the other things that you look for in a daycare which is making sure that everybody is CPR certified, making sure that they have a director who is in charge and that great communication that's open. And so many of the daycares now, you can watch what's going on. So they can even do this like when I put Kimba, my little rescue, <laughs> when he goes for Not a play rescue day. child. No, <laughs> no, my kids need him, Kimba. <laughs> It's Kimba Walker, who's a basketball player. And anyway, so he is, yeah, I can watch him. And here's the thing that I find, because they didn't have that back when our kids were in daycare. We couldn't watch what was happening in the daycare all day. But even then, I feel like I could be glued to that to make sure he's doing okay. I'm like, oh, what is he doing over there? What's he doing in the corner? So I think also if your daycare allows you to visualize their care space, You have to kind of limit yourself to 30 seconds every hour and to not obsess over wanting to be in control over what's happening in that environment. You just want to check, are they safe? Are they well cared for? Yep, things are going good. But I think there's this tendency to want to control what's happening. Uh Uh-oh, what is that kid doing? Why aren't they sharing the toy my kid wants to share with them? And I think being able to just remove and say, you know what, other kids help My child, especially, you know, in those preschool years, that is such a great way for them to learn. Those are the beginnings of those socialization behaviors. And it's so, so helpful. So let's kind of go back and talk again about if let's say you're not quite to the daycare dropping them off point yet. So there are a few things, like we said, that you can do. So we're going to kind of recap those. We'll narrow down your top two to three choices, because you you know, you're going to start off with a list of about 10 long, get it narrowed down to about two to three. And these are the questions that Jennifer said to kind of ask, and we'll add a couple more, we want to make sure that they're state certified. That's a big one. That means that they've kind of met all these regulations for your particular and get um, inspected state. and yeah. they get inspected. So people are keeping their eyes on and making sure that everybody's up to date. Make sure that everybody is up to date with that CPR. We also want to make sure that everybody kind of knows what are your policies for emergencies, right? Whether it's weather or something else in the community that's going on, what are the policies and protocols for that? And then you also want to ask about those vaccination and illness policies too, because sometimes some daycares are very strict. They don't want them to come back to daycare until they are 24, 48 hours free of any symptoms. So whether it's a cough or diarrhea or vomiting or fever, whatever that might be, and what are their policies so that everybody knows what to expect. The other one that's really good is 
how do they ensure that everybody's on and off of daycare vans or the buses should they go on field trips? Another great question is what is their teacher turnover rate? How long are people staying at that daycare? The next one that I really like is will they follow that outside routine? And if they don't, that's not a deal breaker. But you do want to know what is their routine. And I think that's so important. And that teacher-child ratio as well. The other things that we really want to kind of end with today is really talking about when we're dropping these older kids off and they're kind of beginning to have a little bit of that separation awareness. And we talked about that stop, drop, stop, and, drop and roll. And roll. <laughs> well, and having a, a clear transition, Laura, like, <sighs> you know, what you were saying is it just makes a transition too long. So sometimes just sweet little butterfly kisses or kiss, kiss, kiss on the each side of their face or the older kids, if they're a touch kid, that high five, and it's the same action every time for the transition. It's just so helpful, especially for those older kids and toddlers to recognize that the transition's happening. It just gives them this clear transition action. And that can be so helpful, whatever that is that you come up with. We see this a lot on the internet, those teachers that have a different handshake for every kid that comes in the door. It is that same concept. Like it just gives this clear connection as to the transition that's happening. And I always love kind of how we talk about we're going to establish what the truth is. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you're going to be great with Miss Jenny today. And then we are going to exude that confidence, right? We're going to make sure that reflects that (laughs) our face, our body language, we know, and we're going to believe that truth because guess what? We did all the research. We know that they are safe and they are loved in this environment that we've chosen and take care that you have chosen and researched. We have to know And believe that the truth is they're perfectly capable of keeping them safe and providing the care for our kids that we have chosen for them to do. And then we want to act on that truth. And that's where that confidence, Jennifer, is so Contagious. Yes, it's that confidence is contagious. If anything's going to be contagious, don't let it be the vomiting and diarrhea you were talking about earlier. (laughs) Let it be your confidence. And when you look like you believe that, like we're here at daycare and this place is great and it's where you have a good time. And that's it. Just the same phrase every time, but you look like you mean it as opposed to kind of responding to sometimes if they seem like they're a little bit nervous about going in. Don't let that be contagious to you. You set the stage. You have the confidence. Say that clear thing very simply every time and then stop, drop and roll. And make sure that you check out our daycare blog. We do over in the Knowledge Center on the website. We have some blogs that are about this specific situation with daycare as well. So make sure you go check that out. And remember, your confidence really is contagious. Your messages are one of our very favorite parts of this show, and we love listening to them and answering your questions. Our phone number is 888-234-7979 if you want to leave a voicemail. Then make sure you subscribe to this show so you don't miss if we answer yours. Hey, my name is Lauren. I am from Sherman, Texas, and I have a... 10-week-old little girl, and we just started doing um, 
D. I just purchased the Moms on Call, and I was wanting to know if y'all had any suggestions um, for a safe way to do tummy time. I feel like she's always suffocating on the the mats that I have. So I just wanted to know if I'm doing something wrong. It is always sweet to get calls from all over. So, um, it's oh, and good. did you hear those did sounds? Hear Texas, oh my right? goodness. Babies from Texas. That's oh, what we get to sweetness. <laughs> yeah, we actually, so in our online classes, we do these extra things that, um, Laura calls lag nap. I'm going to so pronounce this wrong. You're from Louisiana. <laughs> Lanyap, we have Lanyap, the mom's on call moments. And uh, we have had some, it's a little bit, a a little something extra, a little something, a little something. Tell me time stuff in there. That is so great because one of the best places to do tummy time is on you. It's so fun. So they can be on your tummy while they're on their tummy. And then um, we have a really, really great, helpers that tell us all different kinds of ways to do it and do it safely. And you can watch it. It's so much easier to see that kind of thing. Don't you think? It is. And, but, you know, have them on a nice firm surface that can be their mattress in their crib, as long as they're supervised, definitely on the floor where you have a nice firm surface. And the great news is, is all those cute mats that they're on, even though they may not be lifting up their head quite as much, that material is breathable. So they're able to get air in through the sides and they're able to to breathe. So do some of that tummy time. You're sitting right there with her. The other great thing that some of our friends shared with us is they can hang over a boppy pillow. So their arms are kind of out almost like Superman, right? So they're kind of <laughs> hanging some really great pictures too. Oh, it is so <laughs> much fun. You can roll up towels and also kind of have them hang over those rolled up towels just to start getting some of that tummy time in. And don't stress about it. We do not want tummy time to just be another checklist uh, that you have to to check off. Just have some fun with it. Don't stress about it. She can breathe uh, and she's she's safe. You're right there and it's supervised. And also um, the best time of day to do that tummy time is in the evening when they're trying to get that extra energy out. So in the evening, if they're a little fussy, this is the perfect time for tummy time. So, you know, five or 10 minutes where they're a little fussy and agitated oftentimes helps to be a great motivator. So you'll see them start lifting their head and developing some of those great muscles. Hi, I'm Lena. I'm calling from Diamond Bar, California, and I have a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old daughter, Um, but I'm calling about my three-year-old daughter, and I'm sure you guys have a zillion questions about sleep, so I'm sorry to be another one to add to the list, but I um, need help. My daughter sleeps in a big girl bed, um, but cannot sleep by herself. She seems to just have some sort of fear, and I can't leave her to sleep, so I don't know like what method I should do. If I walk away, she just gets up and comes to our room or even more common, she just screams mama, mama, mama over and over again. Um, So any advice you guys have would be super helpful. Thank you. Bye. Lena. Okay. So my oldest son used to literally be in his room and call out, mommy, I need people. <laughs> and he did, he would have, it would have taken any person. He would, didn't he care. He still needs people. 
He still needs people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they just grow up so wonderful and social. And, um, but yeah, these are the hardest kids. And the hardest thing is not really, um, getting them to get used to sleeping in their room by themselves. It's believing that they can. And yours is the first voice of hope that they hear, but we need to put actions behind that and give them enough time for them to get used to the new normal. So no, they're not going to be crazy about it at first, but if they can choose between sleep and engagement, they'll choose engagement every time. So if it's accessible, that is what they are going to be after. This is one of the reasons why we put together the online classes. So I want you to see Laura and I, see our faces, listen to the things that we're saying so that we can encourage you so that you can encourage that child who is absolutely and undeniably capable of sleeping in that room by themselves. We will have all the details of how to get you from here to there, but I think one of the best ways to do it is listen to that online class. We go over all the details or even have the voice of a of your own consultant that supports you while you support that awesome three-year-old. And we would love to hear back from you at some point when they achieve this. It'll take about usually a week or two. And then you are enjoying those really great long nights of sleep. Hi, moms. My name is Nicole, and I'm calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. And we love you guys. Um, Our little girl, we had a little girl after three boys, is now 11 weeks old and getting very big. And I am struggling with the swaddle. And so she does seem to sleep better when she's swaddled. But every time I go to get her, almost every time, she is busting out of that swaddle. Um, We're not making it through the night yet, but I was wondering, when do we know uh, when it's time to drop that swaddle? And any recommendations on helping that transition? Thanks so much. I love you guys. Hey, Nicole, we love you guys, too. And we are just thrilled to be a small part of your story. And yes, a little girl after three boys. How fun is that? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so much fun. So, you know what? At 11 weeks old, as long as she is healthy, she's, you know, around that 11 pounds or, or more, then it is absolutely time to get rid of that swaddle and get this little one through the night. It'll take about three to five nights uh, and we'll get that done. But it's time. You kind of knew that, I think, when you called and left the message. You just needed permission (laughs) to go ahead and do that. So let's go ahead and get rid of that swaddle. Let this little one be free uh, to do all the things that she's ready to do, which is scoot and move around and find that comfy spot. And that's such a great question. And we take it away at night before we do it at nap time. So go ahead and take it at night so that they can get that nice long stretch to figure that out the first time. And then probably about seven days later, you're going to take it away at nap time as well. And, uh, and then, oh, you're really going to enjoy a lot of swaddle free sleep. Remember, you can leave us a voicemail 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even during your 2 a.m. feeding at 888-234-7979. And we might answer it on an upcoming show. You should also follow us on Instagram because we sometimes answer questions from there as well. Now we move on to the good stuff. We end each show with something that is going to leave you with a smile on your face. So this story, I love this story for so many reasons, but one of them is because um, 
my sister is incredibly awesome and she has a little bit to do with this, but this story is about a high school junior, Savion Harris in Crestview, Florida, who was finishing his shift at a Thai restaurant when the owner of the business ran in with her six-month-old infant that was not breathing and was unresponsive. Harris called 911, began CPR. Do you know where he learned CPR? At school. Wait, what? Yay, school. Practical. At school. Okay, so can we make every school do that? Well, in Florida they can. (laughs) They've passed a law that CPR is mandatory, and it is one of the things that they will be teaching in school because this baby started crying. The color was returning when the ambulance arrived, and this part you were going to love, Laura. Um, because you and I have been to many of these um, football games, but he is planning on attending FSU and wants to be a Go dogs! Woo! Go Nels! Go dogs! (laughs) Don't hold this against us. This kid is the, he is the focus of the story that he was prepared, that he knew what to do and he jumped right into action and that the legislature in Florida backed him up. Right? Um, Sometimes the system it. works. That's all I want to say. Sometimes the system it works. does. And it is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? Great job, Savion. And good luck at FSU. And we can't wait and hope to never see you in your real job as being a trauma nurse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit MomsOnCall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive, this amazing parenting journey.